Well, this story starts on Pabco Road in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm going to go back some 20 years because Eddie is no longer with us, and I know for sure, without a doubt in my mind, he is with Jesus. There's no doubt about it. Welcome to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus, Season 1, Episode 6. Hi, my name's Dan Skinkus, and this is I've Got a Story to Tell. You know, I was sitting at the uh, breakfast table this morning, and uh, I had this all planned, what I was going to say as far as a story to tell you guys, but uh, God changed the whole picture, and I remembered a gentleman who I love dearly. His name was Ed Hall. But before that, I'd like to just give a scripture because it fits within this whole uh, realm of talking about Eddie Hall. And it's the one that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish. And the people I worked for were the, with were the whomsoever people. You know, we want to qualify people sometimes as far as how they look or how they talk or who they are or how you meet them and uh, wonder in a way, uh, should I present the gospel to them? So if you could get a picture of Pabco Road is where they got all the uh, gypsum for making drywall at the plant in, uh, in Pabco, Nevada. Anyway, um, if you go down these roads, they're white and dusty and dank and dirty with mesquite bushes on each side of the roads. Uh, near where we ministered, uh, where God sent us, was the tr- uh, sewage treatment plant and the water treatment plant. It was all in that area. And there were 75 to 100 uh, homeless people encamped in in that particular area. And a lot of them were Vietnam vets. Probably a good portion, 60%, were Vietnam vets encamped there. So this story starts with a day about 110 degrees in August, and we're setting up all our equipment and our tables and all of that. And out of the bushes, this huge statue of a man emerges. And we're like looking at this guy wondering, who is, what is going on? So to get a picture of him, he's about 220 pounds, but he looks dehydrated from being in the heat. He has a sheepskin car seat cover wrapped around him from his head, a hole in it, and then down covering his body with a big belt and a staff and a wolf, uh, about a 150 pound genuine wolf. And he comes out of the bushes and we are thinking, who is this guy? And we're thinking, is this John the Baptist? I mean, what, what's going on here? And he comes out and he introduces himself. And he said, uh, my name is uh, Eddie Hall. I'm from Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, we're thinking, man, how are you out here in this heat? And he was just laying in the bushes and... Uh, 
we always brought water and food, and so we took care of Eddie, and he appreciated it. Real nice guy. His story goes that he was a high-wire uh, high linesman where they bring the high-voltage towers into cities, and that's what he did. He was a musician, and he no longer had any of his equipment. He just was on a alcoholic runner for five years from Corpus Christi, Texas. He just, he left his wife and his whole family, and that will pick up a little later in the story. But anyway, um, we didn't see Eddie for three weeks. We went to the same spot set up. Eddie was gone. So as in this uh, business of looking for people that are homeless, a lot of times you make contact and they just are gone within that period of time that you want to minister to them. So we know that um, scriptures like, uh, you know, the one that talks about uh, the only way to the Father is through the Son. There's no other way. So we would give them heavy-duty scriptures and because we thought we may not see them again. So three weeks later, we see this dog and Eddie coming towards us, and we're so happy to see him. We are so happy that, and he's crying. And uh, we're wondering, Eddie, what's wrong? Why are you crying? He said, I'm sorry. He said, I want to come back here. He said, but I backslid. And we're wondering, where did he learn that word? Probably from being in Texas. He said, I backslid. He said, and I went back to drinking. And, I th and we thought there was no commitment at that time. We didn't pray over him to have him stop drinking. But that was in his mind. And he says, uh, I, I want you to give me Jesus. I want you to give me Jesus right now. So we prayed for him. And. Eddie Hall got Jesus, and uh, he started uh, start cleaning himself up. It was a process. It was like three, six months that he started becoming um, this person he wanted to be. But he still didn't have that foundation. I could feel it. He was sort of on that cusp of trying to get to the Lord, but just couldn't seem to do it and uh, we were at the neighborhood church in Henderson Nevada where there was a big revival per se with the hippies in the day all the hippies came to this church a lot of uh, Maranatha music emerged from that church a lot of good groups came out of that church and so we start um, taking uh, Eddie to church and a bunch of other people. They started wanting to come to church, so Eddie was with all of these people that came. And um, he started growing in the Lord. But he was still out in the bushes. He was still not perfectly clean. He was still had some of those old attitudes about life, you know, and... Uh, a night comes when this church, this was ironic, this church wasn't like inviting people to come in to minister to other people like healers or evangelists or whatever. It was just one pastor and that's the way they kept it. But on this particular night, a uh, guy, a black, a black guy, a pastor from Kenya was invited to come 
And it wasn't presented as healing or any of that. It was just to come and have him pray for uh, for us. And we heard that this guy uh, fasted for like, uh, he, he wouldn't do a service unless he fasted for at least 30 days. And, and this little, and he was, his stature was like five foot and maybe weighed 90 pounds, just this little man. But he was so... Uh, I can't explain when you got in his presence what you felt. It was sort of knowing that this guy was sold out to Jesus. And he was there for business. Business was going to happen. And you sort of got a little freaky scared because you felt something was going on. Any way people would come up for prayer... And he would pray, and they would be slain in his spirit. It was like, wow, man, I, you know, I didn't really go for any of that, to be quite honest at the time. I was recovered myself about six years, and so I, I was very particular on my belief system. Anyway, so Eddie Hall comes with us, and... He's still smoking and all of that. And there's a little girl with her, um, with him, uh, her, his friend. They were just friends. And she was um, a street walker, however you want to call whatever you want to call her. But she, her name was Sugar. So <laughs> this was the funniest thing. So Eddie... Uh, he don't know what's going on with this guy. Like, he's really spooked. He don't know what to expect. And I thought this morning, you know, this man, as I tell this story, it becomes powerful. And I'm wondering, Lord, and I saw it this morning, and here it is. This is what is the equation in this whole thing. Um... I believe that I, I see this after my walk with Jesus is that, you know, there's a Jesus over in this specific church over here. There's a Jesus in this religion. There's a Jesus in this Jesus. And Jesus said in the last days, there'd be many Jesuses. So we know that there, whatever the profession of Jesus is, may not be the Jesus of the Bible. So I look at it this way, and this is all a part of the story is that you know, we are wired by God before we were born. We, we, have, we had to be because we have, Jesus said there's a spiritual man and there's a fleshly man born of the spirit, born of the flesh. And there must be a switch that has to be turned on to enact the spirit man within us. Now, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's the switch, I think, that has to be turned on in the spiritual man to accept it without any strings attached. So, here we go. So, Eddie Hall comes up to, on, he's in the prayer line. I can't remember. It was so funny. His face was like, I could see it. He was like apprehensive, but knowing something was encouraging him to be prayed for. 
And it was like that slow motion picture of Eddie Hall coming and he towers over this little man and this little man grabs his hands and he starts praying for Eddie. Eddie got so empowered, it scared him to death. He, he jumped back and he started running around the church, man. And we weren't the favorite people of that church at the time because we were bringing all these homeless people in and we, we were like walking the cusp of, you know, are we going to stay here? And yes, we did stay because they were lovely people. But he runs around this church and is sort of so far out of the picture of this quiet and we're sort of embarrassed, you know, we're like, oh, God, what did, what happened? And so we're walking out the door. There's about 60 people walking out. We're mulling around. So Eddie, big, loud voice says, sugar, I don't know what happened in there, but when that little man touched me, <laughs> I, flew, <laughs> I flew around that church. He said, I don't understand it. And neither did we. We didn't understand it. As life went on, day in and day out, Eddie grew, started growing by himself. Started growing in the Lord. He started attending neighborhood church. He started cleaning his act up. This was like this whole reconstruction of this big biker dude that was addicted to alcohol. He started going to AA meetings with me. We became the closest of friends. He now, I'm going in a two-year span. Uh, nobody joined that band. 911 was the name of it. Nobody joined. You had to be in that church five years before they would allow you to even be invited to play in their band. I had to be there eight years for some reason, but that's, it, it took me eight years. But Eddie... They invited him in, like, come play with us, Eddie. So there it is. Ed Hall, and I'm drumming. He's there first, and then I finally get on a, on a platform with him. And we're he's playing music, and I'm drumming, and I'm looking back. Is this the Ed Hall that was in those weeds? It was. It was what God was creating. Uh so the day comes where, like I said, there were bands that came in there that were well-known, actually. And uh, Eddie Hall says, I have, he wrote a song, and he was like a song, song, songwriter. It was called The Tunnel of Light, and uh, talked about Jesus and meeting Jesus, and after it's over to... The church gets up with a standing ovation for Eddie Hall, and they never, ever, any group that ever played there, they weren't awestruck at him, and they were great. They were well-known. So the Spirit of God started moving with Eddie, and um, <clears throat> he gets a job, and he gets married, and... Uh, he comes to me one day, and he says, uh, Dan... God told me I got to get baptized. Holy Spirit said, I got to get baptized today. 
He says, not tomorrow. I said, well, we got to call the pastor. He said, no. God told me you're going to do it. I said, today? I said, Eddie, it's December 15th. He says, I want to get baptized at Lake Mead. So December 15th, I said, Ed, we got to do this fast. We're going to die, man. I said, you know. So there we are wading into Lake Mead up to our chest. And you know, when I put him in, in death into life into that water and Eddie came up, Wow, it looked like a new guy to me. It just, what God did with that man, uh, incredible. And so, it gets about eight years of uh, sobriety. He's attending church, he's playing in the band. People are loving him greatly because of his love for Jesus. And prostate cancer comes. And then two years later after that, he w went to be with Jesus. But the story and the um, uh, of how he emerged, I'll never forget coming out of that environment, being so addicted to alcohol that he wasn't eating anymore. He was drinking a fifth of alcohol a day. To this man that was singing on that stage, you know, I don't know who you are and who, who's going to see this, but I'll tell you one thing. To know Jesus is a powerful thing. If it could change people like Eddie Hall, the whomsoever, and I'm one of those whomsoever, he can change you. You're listening to I've got a story to tell with Dan Skinkus. We'll be right back after these brief messages. Do you look forward each week to the midweek announcement blooper reel? Did I already say that? Can you see the fun we have creating content for worship in Aunt Betty's studio? Because let's face it, these announcements are nothing if not entertaining. Are you able to laugh at yourself? Our, uh, blah, 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 blah. If you answered yes to at least two out of three of these questions, congratulations. You have what it takes to be a midweek announcer. Uh, wow. Over two. No prior experience needed. You will be given a script. And are, have we stopped rolling? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Multiple takes due to mistakes are encouraged. Take three. <laughs> this is the most fun you can have as we open the gospel to Carson City and beyond. <laughs> I see people creeping. <laughs> see Sandy Hatchell. Sherry Gurney, or Bob Davis to sign up. Hurry! Space is limited. Reserve your spot while you still can. May no do that. Or, 
think about it, and get back to us. We have room for and would love to have each and every one of you join us at least once. Welcome back to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. Hi, I have a story about homelessness today and the people that participate in that whole problem area that uh, we want to just put one name on it called homeless. And I just don't care for that too much. I like people that have lost their homes because there's always a reason that people have lost their homes. And it's so vast and varied that at times you don't even focus in on the person. You just put this label on them. There's people out there that have mental issues that they no longer can get the government to help them with. There's people that have lost their wives and go into deep depression. There's people that just financially are there. And the list goes on and on. There's just there, but they're human beings. They're people that you meet every day in a grocery store and whatever. But I like to talk about this one specific person that I met in this whole realm and population. As I crossed the country, uh, the one thing I've noticed about uh, people that have lost their homes, I think about people in San Antonio, Texas, there was a huge mission. I think it was a courthouse that was rejuvenated and people standing on the steps and it looked like tears of people with their children, with their pets, with their uh, grandmothers, with uh, with other people that were elderly, uh, youth. But you know, one thing I recognize is the fact that that look of desperation and help was on everybody's face. They were totally out of where they came from and desperate for somebody to help them. I wanna talk about Maria that I met in uh, Henderson at uh, she came in a van, and I would say her stature was 5'10", and very dignified and cultured. She had that look about her. For her dress and what she had, she was always so neat. But she was so incapable of communicating with the women that wanted to embrace her and love her that uh, months went on before she would even say one word to the women that were trying to minister to her and help her uh, come out of herself so as um, life went on uh, she would come sporadically and then uh, people would be so happy to see her and uh, she started opening up a little bit and I'm going to go to a six month realm of time uh, unit of time to explain this slow progression of her being loved on and it reminds me about some people that have been abused that I've noticed they find Jesus but it's years until they finally feel confident enough to trust the people that say they know Jesus. And she was one of them, but uh, always clean and neat. 
and um, we would have uh, great meals and interactions with uh, all kinds of people and Maria would come and so one night one day uh, I didn't see her there and I said to some people where's Maria oh she's here and I said Oh, good. I'm glad she showed up, you know. And so that night, the day was over, and that night I picked up a phone call at my house. And somebody that was involved in my ministry said, uh, Maria is dead. She died. And I was frantic. Because all these people were trying to minister to her and give her Jesus. But this lady, my friend on the other end of the phone said, Don't worry, Dan. She opened up tonight. And she accepted Jesus. And we knew she meant it because she was waiting for this night. So the story goes of Maria. <clears throat> she left, and I remember... Um, they were telling me she was so happy. She, we never saw her like that. In all of this time, after she accepted Jesus, she sort of came out of her shell and she was so happy that she did. And she left in the van and everybody said, we'll see you next week. And uh, she was crossing a trestle where they had their encampment down somewhere down in Las Vegas near the mission and a train hit her. Now you would think, you know, there's, when a train hits you, there's not too much left of you. So this is the craziest thing, or one of the craziest things that ever happened to me. So uh, the next, day, three days later, I get a phone call from my buddy, Gus Lagerstrom, who was the main ranger out at Lake Mead, but he is now retired and working for the, um, the morgue where the bodies come, uh, mortician, and uh, he says, Dan, was one of your girls Maria? I said, yeah, Gus, how do you know about this? He says, she came through, our, uh, through the morgue, and she said, he said, the reason I'm calling he said, there was not one mark on her. Not one mark. He said, and we know the trauma. She got hit by that train. So, you know, it was God's hand on a person to keep them intact. That's his will. This wonderful, beautiful looking girl looked like a model was untouched in her last day. And the story continues in the love 
of the lesser than or people of the streets. The church opened itself, this brand new church that we're bringing all these homeless people to, opened its doors for a service for Maria. I would say a hundred people showed up. A hundred people. Some didn't even know Maria, but they had respect to it. got on the grapevine of the street people, and they start coming to the service. There was a meal after it, and uh, what a wonderful night of testimony. And those people came up and talked about how she was and knowing that she accepted Christ. And so it was one of those places in life, like Eddie Hall, who knew Maria, uh, the timing of everything, it all start blending together with these people. You're listening to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. We'll be right back after these brief messages. For many people, the pandemic has been a time of resetting, reevaluating where they live, how they live, and where their lives are headed. It has been a challenge emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Many are asking questions about how to understand what has happened, what it means, and what they should do now. If that sounds familiar, and you would like to be a part of a community that has a message of hope, we invite you to check out First Presbyterian Church, Carson City. Our mission is to open the gospel to Carson City and beyond. And we would like to walk with you as you explore God's message of love in Jesus Christ. We are not perfect people. We are people who have good news to share with a world desperately in need of hope. Join us in person or via live stream on this YouTube channel each Sunday at 10 a.m. This quiet moment is just a reminder to take time to remember who you are and whose you are. God loves you so very much. Welcome back to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. I don't know, I can't even remember that song, but there's a song that says, you remember me, and they're all coming forward to the people that they can't remember. And and I know I'll never forget the people, some of those people, like Maria and Eddie Hall, and uh, like I said, the list goes on. I'm a blessed man. I've Got a Story to Tell is a podcast of PresbyPod, production of Aunt Betty's Studio, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Carson City.